Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management. And today I have a guest. The guest is Marcus Garrett. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, I, I was chatting with Marcus before the show. We like to bring on experts from all different facets of life uh, to bring value to our clients, our, our prospects, clients, maybe business owners, individuals, and bring in different elements, um, maybe some things they haven't heard from me before in the past. Marcus, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, and really where you focus. So professionally, I've been in audit for about 20 years. I call myself a recovering auditor. I've been trying to escape the field like the mafia for uh, at least the last five years. And uh, I, I, it, it sounds weird, but stumbled stumbled up the career ladder. So every time I try to leave, I get a promotion. So it's it's you know it's not the worst fate that could happen. Uh, my online bread and butter and what I'll be looking to pivot into and probably talk about on this show is uh, in 2016, wrote a book called Debt Free or Die Trying about my shared experience as a 30-year-old getting out of debt. Buried myself $30,000 in debt uh, coming out of college, which I feel aligns with a lot of the millennial stories. You got a Frisbee. Yeah, you got a Frisbee, you got a yo-yo, some kind of swag, and then you uh, got tens of thousands of dollars of debt, uh, whether it was credit cards or student loans. And I did not realize I was writing myself into a marketplace. And that's kind of been my, as I said, my bread and butter for the last five years. I actually re-released the book in 2020. Uh, it became a best-selling ebook on Amazon, and I speak to college students. And now, from a business perspective, uh, as a person on the wrong side of 30. Wow. How, what was the drive for that? What, I mean, there must be, you know, everybody starts their career path and, and maybe it's, it's not uh, something that you had in mind, but uh, what led you that way? I remember the exact moment I had moved to Colorado. So at this point I'm post college graduate. Uh, so I graduated college with about $9,000 in debt. I got a consolidation loan that I thought was going to save me a bunch of money, uh, ended oh, yeah. up $26,000 in debt instead, and ultimately ended up wanting to share that story. I was already blogging. Um, but what had happened was I was 27 years old. I was moved to Denver uh, for a job because all I knew how to do at the time was trade time and money. And it was a $40,000 raise. And I was like, obviously, I got to take it. And I dragged down what my pay rate would be for the next 20 years. And uh, I ran out of money before I got to 20 because I ran out of the pay band. And that's the you know pros and cons of working in a pay transparency office. And I was like, you know, this, this didn't feel right. I was too young to really understand <laughs> what it meant and why I was running out of money so young in life. And it just kind of really changed my mindset and approach to money. Uh, kind of led to revising the book and it really led to a a quest, if you will. That was my origin story on like how to make more money in life. Wow. So graduated college, had a little bit of debt. And actually that's, you know, I've heard of people that graduate. We have some folks, uh, we're in upstate New York that have gone to yep. Cornell that have $150,000, $200,000 in student right. debt. Uh, that coupled with some grants and scholarships, but um, didn't even put a dent into their their college debt. So you didn't you didn't start off too bad. Okay, so that was kind of a natural motivation, uh, getting getting debt squared away for yourself. And then um, you know I visited your website and know a little bit about what you do: uh, author, speaker, motivational speaker, consultant. You do so many different things. Wh where's your bread and butter? You mentioned business owners. 
So before I'd say, um, so to give us some demarcations, like one of the best quotes that I heard from a mentor, actually second best quote, cause I'm coming up on a presentation. So the first best quote was do work that matters. And it seems like such an easy statement, but I, and I've seen others struggle to find work that matters that I can make good money from. I can do a lot of work that matters, volunteer, et cetera, and make no money from. Uh, secondly, so the second best quote was use your twenties to learn your thirties to apply and your forties to teach and mentor. So that's the one that I, so we got those buckets. So in my twenties and what I align with, and I've seen with a lot of business owners, a lot of, uh, on, on both sides, uh, whether young or I call them mature, which is where I'm leaning towards now. You can kind of just do work transactionally. It's what my mentor used to call it. They pay me. I come to work transactionally. I think we're seeing a pivot with this a little bit in Gen Z. But before it was, you pay me, I do work. Good, bad, or indifferent. I don't come to work to be happy. 30s, you kind of, you know, now you got a family. <laughs> Maybe commitment okay. things start to change. And you're like, you know, this transactional work is good. I still have bills to pay. I need to make a difference. Or actually, you haven't probably even gotten there yet. But you're like, this doesn't feel fulfilling. You know, work doesn't feel as fulfilling. And I think, at least I've seen for me, and I've seen a large swath of the population all the way down to, as because I am an auditor, Deloitte study saying that around 40s, you're like, you know, I like to do work that matters. Now, if my kids are growing now, uh, my marriage is maturing, what does my legacy look like? What is my life going to look like either predating me, after me? What, what will my kids look up and say about me that I made a difference on this world to have to, I think it's a Ralph Emerson quote that I'm going to butcher, but to live life is to make a difference and to have lived well, not to be happy, but you find happiness through doing those two things. And so how that has translated for me is now looking at the pivot, you can, you know, uh, figure out where I am on that scale. But like you said, mentorship speaking, I'm trying to give back, but also make a livable income from it. And that's the current problem that I am solving myself as a business owner. Uh, and I'm translating that through still doing the book in personal finance. But I, I think a lot of people who are listening to the show with the exception of maybe Dave Ramsey and Sue's Orderman, there aren't a lot of millionaires <laughs> or, or wealthy individuals out there, obviously, uh, from the personal finance space, which is something I'm still near and dear to. But what does my legacy, what will be my difference maker in this world that I live behind? That's the question that I'm answering right now. Yeah. So being an auditor, I'm sure you didn't make a ton of friends. Um, but but what aspect of, of auditing? Like, like, tell me a little bit more about your background. What were you what were you doing on the audit front? So I'm actually, it's a great question. I'm actually in process and controls. And the reason I say it's a great question is it actually ties directly into this journey. Um, it's funny that you say auditors don't make a lot of friends because that same mentor told me, and I'm glad I met him now, consider him a friend. So he was my boss, became my mentor. Now we're Facebook friends. So you can see the evolution of that relationship. <laughs> but he said, if you want to be, a, if you wanted to make friends, you should have became a clown. <laughs> and he told me this in my early twenties and it turned out to be true, but I love the philosophy of audit. Uh, I mostly focused in process and controls. The mentor that I'm referring to actually has a PhD and now he's gone into law. Um, I love the philosophy of audit and for the auditors out there, and maybe some of you, the accountants, the practice of audit and accounting is a lot more difficult than what they teach you in the books and the philosophy, which is actually why I like the training side, uh, the academia, the black and white of it. And so I focus more on process controls, uh, systems. And the reason I say it's a great question is I've been avoiding with a passion of learning the accounting side of it uh, pretty much the entirety of my career. And that is partially why I'm looking outside of audit because I've 
reached our near the pinnacle of what audit is going to bring to me. I, I, I promoted all the way up to division manager. So, you know, as they say, once you get to the mountaintop, you see that there are actually more mountains. <laughs> and so I, I got to the top and I'm like, hmm, I'm at the top. Maybe a chief audit executive is, is up there. But that same mentor, obviously a lot of insights he gave me is look two rungs, career ladder steps ahead of you to determine, you know, that that's where your, your pathway is going to take you. Is that where you want to be? So I started questioning that transactional work and like, do I, do I want to be a chief audit executive? No shade to the chief audit executives listening to this show. <laughs> who I'm sure wonderful men and women. Uh, but I was like, I don't know if that's the pathway I want. More importantly, I'm a third of the way through my career and at the top of my career ladder. And, you know, I've done, you know, because I became so interested in uh, personal finance and salaries uh, around, I think it's 90% of individuals uh, peak in their income from traditional work at about 40. Uh, and they either stagnate, uh, meaning that they'll get cost of living adjustments, but they're, they don't get any more significant raises. 30 to 40% of most, 90% of Americans' significant raises are going to come before the age of 35. This is probably resonating with a lot of people, which is why they go into entrepreneurship and consulting. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at now is do I double down, go back and get my master's, uh, and just say, you know what, as it relates to a nine to five, I'm an auditor. And, uh, I, I actually have some, some questions out there that are going to, will help me decide this. I kind of see my, I'm at the fork in the road of my career and is the next 20 years or 40, whatever it looks like. I'm just going to be an auditor. I'll be the best auditor, most well-educated, credentialed auditor can be. I already have three certifications. Number two, so it's a three-path fork. Number two, do I certify or pivot into another career field, which I'm married, have a home now, which might be a, you know, a, I might stagnate, as I just talked about. Uh, I might pivot. I might be making a horizontal move. I might make less money. Um, that is the nature of a career pivot. And number three, do I either do all of the above or none of the above and supplement it with a successful, successful entrepreneur consulting or business practice, which would be honestly my my ultimate goal. But I think as many business owners listening to the show know, easier said than done to just find a business that you can immediately translate into and uh, make the exact same money you made in your career. Very tough. I, I can tell you going back about a decade we left, uh, so my background, we came from a, a bank, a re large regional bank, where we provided investment consulting advice to clients, business owners, but a lot of retail clients. And we made um, a pretty big decision. We, we led uh, to a fork in the road with a very similar circumstance where we said, geez, we're uh, younger uh, with families and have a home and have a mortgage and have these liabilities. And uh, we can continue down this path of slow and steady growth with st job stability. You know, and I, I remember these quotes from Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey's father. I don't know if you know the story behind that, but, uh, you know, he was a slow and steady guy. He was actually an accountant and he had a passion for uh, comedy and making people laugh and never decided to go that route because because of the fear, the uncertainty, the the um, instability of of the unknown of not knowing if he'll be successful so he continued doing that and he was fired and laid off from all these firms as they continue to grow and develop and evolve um and i can tell you i have a brother-in-law same same scenario many times thought about opening his own firm his own practice um but younger developing family had a home had a mortgage had debts couldn't afford to take a step back or or take a chance and fail 
so I was dealt with that same scenario and we made the decision to, um, you know, to go out on our own and open our own firm and our own practice. We sat on cardboard boxes and picked out color swatches about a decade ago. We had zero clients came from a job with uh, stable income, uh, retirement plan and healthcare benefits and everything was set up. We just showed up and, and we had the clients coming in and we, we, we decided to take this risk. And I think it was a calculated risk because I had a passion for it. And that's one thing that I hear. I, I can see the conviction in, in the story you're telling me as I ask you these questions. And I have that same conviction when I help people. My son is six years old and he understands that. He realized when I'm at home and I'm doing things to, to help a client, to prepare, to work in the office, to put in that extra time. It's, it's not that um, I have to do it. It's because I want to do it. And he sees that passion. He knows that dad goes out and helps these people. And so I think that's, that's a big part of uh, a career decision. And I think it's a, a very rewarding one, not just financially, but and clients know that. They can feel that. They can sense that. So I'm glad to hear that. That's, that, that's great. Now, I'm curious t- to know a little bit more about this. So you, you talked about your scenario, your, your, your debt coming out of college. And we have a lot of clients facing the similar scenario coming out of how, what's your practice, what's your belief. You mentioned Dave Ramsey. Everybody knows Dave Ramsey in a lot of these other programs. And I'm not saying that you have a program, but their program is basically live on peanut butter and jelly. Don't spend a dime, pay off as much debt as you can. And in five years, you're gonna, not going to have a mortgage. You're going to be debt free, et cetera. So maybe share some some thoughts on that and maybe some processes that you have in place that you're helping clients with. I do have a program, and I would say just like myself, the program has matured. So similar to uh, what you said there, so for those somehow who may not be familiar, Dave Ramsey uh, pretty much practices the, the snowball, play, pay all your low interest debt, your, your smallest debt, snowball until you pay off all your debt. There's also the avalanche method where you start with the highest debt, the highest uh, interest rate, saves you the most money, but most people psychologically, emotionally cannot just pay down debt, right. even if it is going to save them more money. Absolutely. Um, so those are those two. Uh, my system, the new revision, when I worked with a uh, consultant to help me rewrite the book, we came up with an acronym. So it's debt is actually the acronym. It's define the plan, which you go to annualcreditreport.com, establish a plan. So most people don't have a system, uh, which is actually why it goes in that order. Then you build a budget. So most people have a dream that they build a budget around and they wonder why they don't get out of debt. And then T is to trust the process. Define, establish, build a budget, trust the process, debt-free. That's my system. And I don't get involved in snowballs and avalanches because my advice is always the best system is the system that works and putting the personal and personal finance, which is why I like to do one-on-one coaching or coaching to many and determining a system that works for those individuals. I say the, and and let me be very clear, because uh, I actually had a guest come on the show. It's like, you hate Dave Ramsey. I was like, no, false. <laughs> <laughs> this is how rumors get started. Um, what it is, is over time, the system worked. I mean, I've paid off $30,000 in debt now. So by your math and some of the New York people, they'd be like, well, that's one fifth of my debt. But that being said, <laughs> it, it did work. So I, I can't knock any system that works. But present day, 20, year more mature me would not follow that system actually not even the system i I follow to this day or i probably wouldn't have this house because i wouldn't have taken on any debt and it's more you know what are my goals and you know tying back to your comment is um calculated risk plus passion 
this business is a calculated risk plus passion because if I did it logically, I would have never launched it. Honestly, if I knew where I would be in hindsight, I'm two years in uh, from a corporation, I probably wouldn't have done it at all. Uh, but it's been a, a great learning experience of growth for myself as an individual. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm becoming, I would say, better holistically because of this business. Um, and the business is so through podcast, through the uh, the business, it's uh, I haven't done my podcast in a while, so I might have forgotten my tagline, but something to the effect of helping individuals uh, find ways to make more money through uh, entertaining conversation with your favorite influencers and entrepreneurs. A little bit more polished if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, and I, I do that through systems. And one that I identified that was actually recommended to me that I like the most is a key person of influence for it. I like to cite my sources. For anyone who wants to read the book for themselves, a little bit older book, but it's a five-piece system. I'm looking at my notes over here to the right. It's pitch, partnership, profile, product, publish. And he said um, he was on Shark Tank and all that, but that was the key in his, his wisdom. If you had those five things checked off to a successful business, I think some of that's changed over time, uh, specific to publishing and things like that. I'm not sure that you need that anymore. And I kind of narrowed it down to a three-piece system. But I think holistically, regardless, Dave Ramsey, myself, five Ps, you need a system. And I think most people have dreams. They have aspirations. <laughs> like you said, you sat down with your friend, you wrote down on a cardboard box, but you had a system in place for success. And most people don't do that. And I think my audit background, my data background, that's where I drill down on. That's what I focus on and helping people make that mission, that dream, a successful thing they can implement. I got a kind of an aside question that goes along with with the budgeting mentality and consulting and helping those clients. Uh, and I don't know what your demographic is, but I can tell you that that ours, our our client, our practice is made up of uh, younger families looking to save. When I say younger, I say somebody in their mid thirties, married, maybe one or two kids, mortgage. Uh, they're kind of finding, navigating their path uh, of their career path um, and starting to really get established. But what I'm seeing is, is a shift, a change. And I also have on the under, other end of the spectrum is retired folks who are in their late 70s, early 80s, um, widows, widowers, nursing home, things like that, estate planning. But I've noticed a change in the way that they view debt and who is viewing the debt and how they're attacking that. So the older clients that I have that are more mature, that are in their 70s, 80s, husband and wife, typical family scenario, the wife is the one that's controlling the money. The husband was typically the breadwinner. Um, and sometimes it was a two family income, two income family. But it was the wife who was kind of driving the the direction of those dollars and it was always a focus on paying down debt we want to get rid of our mortgage no credit card debt no uh no loans no um no car loans and as i look to the younger generation 40s and below it's the men who are now trying to pay down debt and it's the women that are actually spending and Amazon is a big proponent of that. I'll tell you, they they hop on that app and they, there's boxes that show up. And, and my household is guilty of that, too. I see these Amazon boxes and my eyes kind of roll in the back of my head. But um, are you seeing any of those kind of trends where you, where it might be a different family dynamic where you have maybe a shift 
in the way that people are spending or allocating those dollars once they're coming in? That's fascinating to me. So my demographics, last time I polled, was 27 to 34. Uh, on the podcast, it was 70% women. Uh, on the social media, is actually more of a 50-50 split and probably the exact opposite on YouTube. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if that's a reflection of the YouTube demographic or something about my videos attracting a lot of men. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but I've kind of seen it more still at that same demarcation for 40, but I had it maybe incorrectly, but I had attributed to generational. And maybe it's because what I'm seeing on the other side is there's, you know, it's right there in the numbers that less and less people under 40 men and women, they're either marrying later or they're not marrying at all. So I, I was kind of attributing it to generational uh, shift, but it also could be family demographics. But I am seeing less of a focus or maybe even a care about either paying off debt completely or being debt free at all. Uh, especially as you get down into the 20s and, and, and maybe even 30s, it's more experiences. Uh, and if I have to take on debt to have the experience that I want, then it is what it is. Uh, if this is the school I want to go to and I have to take on a surplus or a large amount of debt to go to the school that I want, it is what it is. There seems, uh, from my experience, even people um, you know, watching my videos and taking my courses, they're not holistically focused on getting debt to zero period. And definitely not across the board. Now, I'm not saying I would necessarily agree with that. But again, not to be a hypocrite to myself, you know, the best plan is a system that works. If they are well informed about what that means, you know, how that impacts them, the interest that they'll pay on that, then I am I am at peace with that as clearly as they are. Now, I would say a lot of people haven't ran that analysis. And a lot of people are shocked by the numbers, which is why ignorance is bliss. But I am seeing... Yeah, I am seeing that. I just attribute it to a different cause. And I would yeah. have to conclude, um, and I'll end here, that I think it's because life is so expensive right now. I think a lot of people are kind of waving the white flag. I, I, maybe defeat is is too uh, pessimistic, but they're like inflation, interest, college, homes. I think all of which I just described are, have tripled in their lifetime. I think they're waving the white flag on a debt-free lifestyle. I don't think they see it as a possibility for themselves. Yeah, it, it's funny too. I I don't think there's there's one way to really attack debt, and it's the only way. And it's my system, or your system, or his system. Or um, I agree with that. And and sometimes we do analysis on a client that may be looking to pay down a debt, and I've seen this happen in the last decade where you have rates that were at historical lows, 2 3%. And if I were to throw a double, a triple payment at my mortgage versus taking that money, investing it, which route is better? Which path is better? And and people are surprised when you look at that. And, and, and some people have surety. They have um, some type of resolution, comfort, I guess, in being debt-free even though it may make more financial sense to do something different. And that's and, and I agree with you. When you look at the different ways of paying down debt, becoming debt-free, and um, maybe more financially responsible, there's not one method that's that I think is a home run for every single person. Um, because what I may tell you will end up in more dollars and cents in your bank account doesn't mean you're going to like that or or be comfortable with that. And that could that could go along with risk. It could go go along with the way that you pay down those debts or the way that you look at it, you know, and many times, and I like the fact that you do this coaching 
in addition to just one program. Here's the program. Go do it. Um, that's along the lines of what we do because reality is you can give the best ideas. People will sit and say, you know what? Marcus has got he's, – he hit the nail on the head. When they go home and, and life happens, they forget about all those steps that they're supposed to do. There's nobody there to hold them accountable. Same thing, you know, I, I go back to college days and, and I used to lift weights and I had a program, I had a system, I had a diet and, and I had everything scheduled and I had a, a, a roommate and him and I would hold each other accountable. Without accountability, a lot of these plans, they, they just fall to the wayside. It, they may be good plans and good ideas, but without implementing them and having somebody to check on them, a lot of people won't do it. I'd say the majority of people won't do it. So I like the fact that you have that coupled with your systems, that you do the consulting, and we do a similar thing with our clients. It's not just the focus on budgeting and saving and paying down debts, but it will be a combination of that. Uh, we don't have our own proprietary system where we help our clients with that, but we do look at different ways of doing it. So it's not a fine is a fine tuned system as you may have. Yeah, I like that. Um, one that I heard and I think maybe even resonate. I'm going to butcher. I tried to have this guy as a subject matter expert on the show, <laughs> so maybe he'll hear this and come back on because I'm quoting him. But I never heard it before, and it was BBD. It was a uh, build. Buy or borrow. I'll say borrow. Uh, build, borrow, die. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, but what he said is, you know, you whether it's build homes, build wealth, you you build your lifestyle. Um, and then the pivot there is you, is you is the borrow side. And like I said, you can nicely say buy. But then you buy homes, you buy whether it's through an insurance policy or mortgage, however you go about buying. And then in death you leave that behind, but pay it off. So you, it, basically your lifestyle is funded by debt, knowing that you'll zero it out for, and that's your legacy. So I bought three homes. I have two children. Y'all can turn one of these into a rental property. Here are two homes, all paid off by this policy. And then whatever you do from there, good luck to you. Uh, but I've done my part. I've done my BBD. And I, I, I really like that middle B, because like you said, we're I feel like it's, it's a very weird society because we're consumerist, but we're told to be debt free. You know, the whole society is funded by debt <laughs> and what we buy, like you say, with Amazon. Yet we're taught to be debt free. Um, and I had really I that was a surprising first for me to hear it articulated in that way. And as people hear, I like acronyms and I like systems. Yeah, I do as well. I, I like that. And I like that. I like the uh, acronym that you used earlier, the D.E.B.T., and the E part, I want, I want to, I want to come back to that because you mentioned something about that. And uh, tell me again what the E stands for. So D is define the problem. Um, I think there's forty percent of people don't realize how much debt they have. And, and now, I didn't have student loans. Seeing my wife's student loans, I understand how it can be so confusing. <laughs> she told me this like twelve step program she has to go through. Uh, so I didn't realize how complicated it was. So it's define the problem, and E is establish a plan, uh, establish. and that's where you pick that whether you're going to follow Dave Ramsey's uh, snowball or avalanche uh, I call pay down, whatever, pay a set fee. I mean, my personal favorite is to get a debt calculator and, and actually put a system in place. I use bankrate.com because I have a million calculators and you know, this is what I'm going to do. I remember when I wanted to get $30,000 in debt, first of all, I'm old enough that I went to Yahoo. I don't think Google was around. <laughs> they took me to Bankrate, and I, 
printed out. I think I went to Kinko's, but I remember I had a PDF that said, make this amount of monthly payments each month and you will be debt free. I wanted to be debt free by 30 because I thought that was elderly at the time. <laughs> it said you will be <laughs> debt free if you pay this amount of money every month. And I didn't realize that that, that was First of all, it's not groundbreaking, but most people don't do that. They're just like, I want to be debt-free by 30, and then they just let five years pass by. It's so true. You hear you hear the same people, and I have clients like this as well. They come in. They have gripes about X, Y, Z. You come up with a plan. You formulate it. They go about their day and their life as they did in the past five, 10 years and just continue to do the same thing, hoping for a different outcome, and it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, so uh, – Marcus, I really, really appreciate all the time. And we kind of just scratched the surface on a little bit about what you do and what you provide to clients. How can clients find you if they want to learn more about your programs and how to get in touch with you? I'm actually now most active on Instagram and YouTube. And the reason for that is because they pay, <laughs> which is a, a, a strategic, uh, what is the SEO search engine optimization that I use. But you can find everything you need to know about me, as you mentioned, on my website at themarcusgarrett.com. That has my coaching where I am on social media. And like I said, if you are a fan of YouTube or wherever you're listening to this on the podcast, you can find my show, Life After Debt with the Marcus Garrett. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Marcus, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Mm-hmm.